Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Um, so let me, let me explain to you. Today's different, of course, than a normal Sunday morning. Let me explain to you what we're doing. This weekend, our youth group hosted something we do every year. It's an annual event, and it's called a D-Now Weekend. D is short for disciple, so Disciple Now Weekend. And every week, every time we host this, we're focusing on some aspect of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Christ. This year, our emphasis and what we focused on was about how you can tell other people about Jesus. And that's what we focused on, and, and we don't just talk, you know, we're not the kind of people that just talk about things and don't do them. We wanted to do it. So over the course of the weekend, we learned about how to share our faith with others, and then yesterday afternoon, we went and did it. So the high school went down to Markham Terrace and put on like a block party for the residents there, for the people that live there, and got to share the gospel. Uh, with the people there. Uh, three people got saved at Markham Terrace, which was awesome. We also, our middle schoolers went down to the city mission, and they got to do something there at the city mission, share the gospel uh, with a lot of kids. They also went to the police station and the fire department and gave out cookies to our first responders and were able to pray with them. Really cool weekend. What I want to do um, before we kind of get into some of this and what before we kind of finish our day today is I want to show you a video of some things that have happened during our D-Now weekend. So maybe if you weren't able to participate this, this year, you'll kind of know what to expect next year if you want to participate. And then if you did participate this year, uh, I think you would enjoy just kind of having a good recap of what happened this weekend. So I'm going to play this video. It's just like two minutes, and then we're going to talk about living on purpose. So it's not just good enough to believe in Jesus, because that's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to believe, and then he calls us to tell. So that's what we folk, we've been focusing on um, all weekend. Uh, for those of you that are kind of just joining us now, I want to kind of bring you up to speed. Uh-oh. I want to kind of bring you up to speed on what our, um, we got no screens, do we? Um, I want to bring you up to speed on what the focus has been. We've been doing this thing called labs, and essentially all we do during these labs is we talk about what the Bible says about something, and then we do it. So we're going we're gonna to have, here's what we're going to do. If you're sitting at a table, um, the table you're sitting at has a white, a little whiteboard on it. Um, so every table has a whiteboard. Um, if you're not at a table, um, if you're not at a table, uh, you got something better than the, the whiteboard. If you want to answer a question, you. So <laughs> it's kind of a dangerous thing to do, but but I'm going to do it because uh, there's so many of us here. So let me kind of review with you what we've talked about. Just kind of bring everybody up to speed. The first session we did was we talked about how. Sharing your faith with others, if you're a Christian, that's not like something you can choose. It's not like an option. Like, okay, I'm a Christian, but I don't think I want to tell other people about Jesus. That's not an option that God gives us. Jesus' last words in Matthew 28 were, go and preach the gospel. Go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all I've commanded you. So we talked about the, the, first, the first thing we know is that sharing your faith with others it's a command. And to share your faith with others, it's not just important, it's not just good enough to live a good life. You actually have to have, you have to share the gospel with words. The saying, um, the saying that you should live your life so others can come to know Christ, 
Um, there's, there's a real famous saying about that, and, and it goes like this. It says, preach the gospel when necessary, and what, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Uh, he's, he's saying, make your lifestyle reflect Jesus, but that's good enough because in Romans chapter 10, it says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. So in order to be obedient to the command of God that we should share our faith, we have to share our faith with words. We have to tell people the gospel, which is about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus was a person, he died, and that he rose again. He has power over sin and death. That's the gospel, and you've got to use words. You've got to use words. So that's the first thing we learned. Does anybody that was here yesterday remember what the second session was? The first word was cooperating. In order to share your faith, you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I have really good handwriting, by the way. So, some of you should mimic my good handwriting. Right? I thought that's pretty good. You have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. How do, how do people get saved? We talked about this. We talked about salvation math. Salvation math. You have one person who is an unbeliever. In order for someone to be saved, they have to be lost first, right? So you have to have one person who does not believe in Jesus plus one person who tells them about Jesus plus the one thing that Christians too often forget, the Holy Spirit. Because what does the Holy Spirit do in this process? The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. He opens people's minds. He um, guides them into truth. So as Christians, if we want to share our faith with others, it's not just about making sure we have the words right. It's about cooperating with what God is already doing to draw them to Jesus. Make sense? Now here's the third thing we're going to talk about today, and it's living on purpose. We're going to talk about relationships. Now remember, I told you, when I say relationships, when it comes to sharing your faith, I'm not talking about dating someone into the kingdom of God. Like, that's a bad way to evangelize. Don't use the date, disciple, and dump method. Not a good method to use, okay? Like, don't be a missionary with your dating relationships. Really bad idea. What I'm talking about relationships are the relationships that you have with people, non-romantic relationships that you have with people. Like, your relationship with your family, your relationship with people you go to school with. We're going to talk about living on purpose because are you, if you know anything about our youth group, you know that we do a lot of things to reach people and we go to Markham Terrace or we go downtown and put on a VBS or we go to the city mission and we go places to reach people that normally our lives would not come in contact with. And we do that a couple times a year and sometimes we try to establish certain things on a weekly basis. But 99.9% .9 of your life will not be spent on these particular outreaches, but 99.9% .9 of your life will be uh, lived with a, a group of people that you know better than anyone else. And that's what we're going to talk about. Um, that's what we're going to talk about today. I got to bring my little podium over here. I'll get lost. So, God called us to do something. He called us to reach the world. How did Jesus reach the world with salvation? With miracles? Miracles? With his words? What was the first act of God reaching the world? He taught before that, before turning water into wine, 
Oh, Josh Barnett for the win in April, too. <laughs> Jesus was born. Hey, look at this. I'm going to trip over all this. Look at this verse, John 1.14. Evangelism, this is our first point. Up, close, and personal. You know I'm not much of an artist, but let me demonstrate. Let's read this verse and I'll demonstrate it. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. So, I'm going to just make a pictorial representation of God. If I could spell. One name you don't want to spell wrong. Um, this is God. And I'm going to draw you. You ready? This is you. Should I put a happy or a sad face on today? I'm going to do a little bit of both. Um, this is you. And may I say, dang, you're looking pretty good this morning. You look, you, you're, you're balling it. Your hip's a little off socket there. I'm going to fix that. You're looking pretty good. Here, here was the problem. There was a barrier between you and God. What was the barrier? Sin was the barrier between you and God. What does this verse say? We tried and we tried and we tried to get to God, but we couldn't get past the barrier. And we tried again and we couldn't get past the barrier. And we tried again and we couldn't get past the barrier. So what happened? The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. So God became a man. We couldn't get to God. God came to us. It says the word became flesh. The word, that's the Greek word. Logos, which means the truth. The word. God, the totality of everything that's real in God, became one of us. And then it said, made his dwelling among us. This Greek word kind of carries the, the notion of like setting up shop or pitching a tent next to somebody else. So God literally came down and he set up shop on this world, in this world. Jesus didn't stand up in a cloud of heaven and like throw a lifeboat down or like a life preserver down when we were dying and try to pull us up because that wouldn't work because we couldn't get to God. So what did God have to do? He came to, my shirt raised up, sorry about that. He came down on our level. He became one of us. So if we're going to follow the model of Jesus, what Jesus did to save the world, what does that mean we have to do with the people we want to reach? What's that? Get close to them. Get up close and personal. I mean, don't get in their face and tar, stop, start talking smack. But we got we to be close to them we got to be close to them. Jesus promised that as we go, he would be with us making disciples. So this is like our main verse, Matthew, 3, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, therefore, 
go and make disciples. He doesn't say, therefore, put a big sign up so everyone can see where your church is located, although that can be important. He said, go. He said, be with the people that you're going to reach. So we have a call to go, and he says, <laughs> this is the scary part, make disciples of all nations. That means I have a responsibility to make disciples of all nations. That means you have a responsibility, if you're a Christian, to make, a, make disciples. That's a huge responsibility, isn't it? If you're like me, you start freaking out, and you're like, how in the world am I going to do it all? Like, where do I start? Like, this person needs to be saved, and this person needs to be saved, and there's people downtown that need to be saved, and there's people out Wayne that need to be saved. Am I right, Victoria? The people out Wayne, the people in Salt Rock need to be saved, people in Milton, people in Charleston. We all know people in Morgantown got to be saved if they're rooting for that WVU team. Like, there, there, are, people, <laughs> there are people all across the state. That, where do we start? And, hey, wait, then there are, people in, there are people all across the country that need to be saved, right? Those Yankees need to be saved up north because they're cussing up a storm. People in Hollywood need to be saved, right, because they're putting on all those trashy movies. All around, we got to make disciples all around the country. Where do we start? And then we're like, wait, the world needs to be saved, right? Well, yeah, there are people in the Middle East, they definitely need to be saved. There are people in Europe that are atheists, they definitely need to be saved. They're Buddhists in Asia that definitely, so where do we start? It can be overwhelming. It can be incredibly overwhelming. Would you believe that God's answer is yogurt? I'm not kidding. God's answer is yogurt. How many of y'all like yogurt? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, so God's answer is yogurt. And when I say God's answer is yogurt, it, it's, a lot of you eat yogurt. Anybody eat Greek yogurt? Okay, we like Greek yogurt because it's very high in protein and very low in carbs, right? So it gives you the gains, you know, if you want a body like this. No. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's very healthy, but there's a certain brand of Greek yogurt. Oh, Josh is on it. There's a certain brand called Oikos, and it, it, it's a, Oikos is a legitimate Greek word. So if you want legit Greek yogurt, I guess you get the Oikos, I don't know. But it's a name, it's a name of yogurt. But it's more than just yogurt. <laughs> I'm not telling you you need to go give yogurt to people in order for them to be saved. I mean, it may help out their digestive tract, but it won't get them saved. Um, but here's this word, oikos. It's a, it's a legitimate Greek word, and it actually appears in the Bible. It actually appears in the Bible. Because Jesus, there's this incredible story. There's a man who's possessed with so many demons they can't even be numbered. Jesus is traveling by boat from village to village, healing people, driving out demons, and he comes to this village, and there's this guy that's demon-possessed. That actually happens still, by the way. He was demon-possessed. And he wasn't just possessed by a demon. It says he was, Jesus, Jesus was talking to this man, and he was actually talking to the demon, and the demon said, our name is Legion because we are many. Imagine this, this man was possessed by probably thousands of demons. And when he was possessed, he was in a small town. I went to a small Christian school. So when, you know, if your girlfriend breaks up with you at a Christian school, they, you know, everybody else knows about it before you do. It's that small, you know. Like, um, so this is a small town. Everybody knows this guy. He's the guy you don't, he's the guy, if, if you're walking with your kids and he's coming down the road, you get to the other side of the road. You know, he's the guy, he's the guy, he walks in the room, everybody walks out of the room. Because he's demon-possessed. Just a minute, Stonewall. He's de Thank you, though. He's demon-possessed. Jesus 
casts all the demons out of this guy. And he's in his right mind again. And his life has changed. Remember, this guy is known as like the demon possessed. He walks in a room, oh, that's the demon possessed guy. And people start getting nervous. Jesus casts those demons out. And you know what this guy's thinking? Okay, I've got a new start. Guess where I don't want to start my new life? In the town where everybody thinks I'm the demon-possessed guy. So he asks Jesus, um, Luke 8, 38, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, go with Jesus. He said, Jesus, let me get on the boat with you. Let me go and leave this town behind me and go to a town where nobody knows that I used to be demon-possessed, and I will serve you, and I will be your right-hand man. But what does Jesus do? It says he sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. That word home that is in bold on the screens, that word home was originally spoken by the word, by the, by the mouth of Jesus, oikos. Return to your oikos and tell how much God has done for you. And this word is sometimes translated home, but maybe a better translation would be go back to your stomping grounds. Go back to the place where everyone knows you. Go back to your people. You know, we all have our people. The people that we go to school with and the people that we live with, the people that we're related to. You know, you've got the, you, you've got the sweet aunt, you've got the weird cousin. You know, you go, go back to your people that know you, in this case, as the demon-possessed man. Go to your oikos and tell them how much God has done for you. And it says the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This guy's like, man, Jesus is great. I want to go with him, and I want to reach the world. But Jesus says, go back to that place where everybody knows you and tell them how God has changed you. What I want you to think about, and it's not an either-or thing, but how many of us are willing to sign up to go on a mission trip? We're willing to sign up for a D-Now weekend to go downtown and tell people about Jesus? When there are people that live in our houses, when there are people that go to our schools, when there are people that sit in our youth group that need to know Jesus, and we're stepping all over them as we go to tell someone we've never met before about Jesus. I'm not saying we need to stop reaching people we don't know, but what I'm saying is it's a little hypocritical, and it's a little disingenuous to say, I love Jesus, I want to tell others about him, as there are people that you already have relationships with, and you can have a conversation with every week or every day, and you're silent. Return home, go to your oikos, and tell them what God has done for you. So it's more than just Greek yogurt, isn't it? There's this one guy, he's kind of a nerd, but he came up with this really incredible um, thing. And it's called, it's, it's really dorky, so I'm going to try to make it less dorky, but it's called Concentric Circles of Concern. It's called Concentric Circles of Concern. And he made this circle. He made these, actually, multiple circles. So we need to establish a new thing here. Second is, thing, thing we're going to talk about is your oikos. By the way, at church tonight, we're going to have our oikos prayer time. We're going to be praying for people that were within our sphere of influence, so you should come back for that. Um, but what this guy did was he made these circles. And here's the first circle. It's a very tiny circle. It's circle number one. And you know who's in that circle number one? You are. So I'm going to give you a little smiley face here. Because that's you. You've got one of those, like, dimpled chins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, that's you. This is circle number one. And that's you. 
and you're cool in your happy little circle. Then there's another circle that's around you. And you know who's in that circle around you? Your family. The people that you live with. You know, the people that you have to share a bathroom with. The people that you have to fight over control of the TV with. The people, I mean, you, never mind, I'm not going to go there. The people that you have to eat with. The people that make sure you do your homework. The people that, if you're a brother, you know, you fight with. <laughs> Those people. The next step, and as, you know, as the circles get bigger, you're a little less close to these people. Um, so then there's the next layer of relationships. And it's, it's circle number three, and it's, um, it's relatives. So your relatives, you know, some of you are very close to your relatives, and your grandma is someone that you're incredibly close to, your aunt is someone you're incredibly close to, or maybe you're like me, and most of your family, like your extended family, lives hundreds of miles away. But what I've learned is even though my extended family is hundreds of miles away, I'm still very close to them, and I still care deeply about them. So your relatives, your cousin Eddie, your Aunt Edna, they're in circle number three. And then in circle number four, this is kind of turning into an oval, but that's okay. In circle number four, we have our friends. Okay? You got your, bro you got your bros and your bras, as Chase would say. You've got your people. You've got your people. You've got that group of people that you go to the movies with on Friday. That group of people that when you want to have a sleepover at like your friend's house, you know, you're doing the whole make my mom call your mom, call my dad, call, you know, getting the whole family communication thing arranged so you can spend the night with them. They're your friends. And then past your friends, you've got, and this is designed for adults, so I think with teenagers it's a little different. But circle number five, you're just not quite as close to these people. You've got associates. you got associates. So they're people that you know because they're in close proximity with you. So maybe those of you that have a job, people that you work with, um, people that you sit in class with but you're not like really close to, but you may have to work on a class project with. or You know, you, you know their name. They know your name. If you saw them at the mall, you'd say, hey, how are you doing? Um, and, and maybe you'd talk for a couple minutes. Uh, you may text them every once in a while. You, know, you kind of know them, but you, you, they're not real close to you, and they're your associates. Then you've got acquaintances. These are people you may know their name. I think I butchered the spelling on that. Oh, I got it. Um, you may know their name. You may not know their name. You would know their face. You would recognize them. Um, I've, you know, April and I, we kind of have this relationship with these ladies that work at the Speedway down here. And, you know, and, and we talk some trash, not talk trash with them, but we talk with them. And, you know, they're always wanting to complain about something. So we kind of let them complain about things to us. And so they're kind of our acquaintances. I think one's name is Kathy, I think. I can't remember the name of the other one, the, blonde, the, little, the short little blonde lady. But um, we have acquaintances. You have acquaintances. So they're people you know, but you just don't know real well. Um, you, know, you may have had, like, one class with them in middle school, like, three years ago. You kind of know them, but you kind of don't. And then there's the final. That's number six, by the way. It's kind of looking like a very warped circle. Um, and then your final layer of people, that you, of, of people that you can reach that are within your sphere of influence, he calls it person 
x. You can use whatever um, alphanumeric character you want to describe them, but he uses person x. And person x is someone that you don't know, but you could reach. It's someone you don't know if you go down to Markham Terrace and you meet for the first time and you could share with them about Christ. And, and God wants us to reach person X. He wants us to reach person X. But guess who else he wants to reach? He wants, to, wants us to reach our family. He wants us to reach our relatives. He wants us to reach our friends. He wants us to reach people we go to class with. And he wants us to reach people that we see like every once in a while but we kind of know who they are. And how sad is it? How sad is it that a lot of times we start here and we totally jump over circles two, three, four, five, and 6 to go right to person X when there are people in our own households, there are people in our schools that need Jesus. Um, so living on purpose means you're going to redeem those relationships. Um, living on purpose means you're going to care about your entire oikos, your entire group of people and your entire sphere of influence. Let me ask you a question. Where did God put you in this circle? He put you in the middle. Did God put you right here? Did God put you right here? Did God put you right here? No, he put you right here, in the middle of that crazy, messed up, insane family. I'm not trying to knock on your family, but I think all of us would agree that sometimes sanity is really hard to come by in our households. God puts you with those people that you live with. He didn't do it on accident. God puts you in that, like, extended family. You're, you go to family re reunion, you're like, please tell me I don't belong to these people. <laughs> he, yep, you belong to them because God made sure you did. God put those friends in your life. God put those classmates in your class. He made you take that AP class for a reason. He put those people in your life. You are in the perfect position to reach your circle. There is nobody more better positioned to reach your circle than you. Because God puts you there. So here's the question. Why are we not reaching these people? I think I've got an idea. But before I get into that idea, this is um, not necessarily a question for the whiteboard. Um, but I think, did everybody get an index card? I think, I, I'm hoping everybody got an index card. Um, if you've been with us for the, um, for the D-Now weekend, you've already had one and you've put some things on it. But here's what I want you to do um, for the next, like, two minutes. Next, like, two minutes, I want you to come up with your own Oikos circle. And I want you to do the seven circles. And here's, here's I'll put it on the screens. Here's your challenge. On those seven circles, for each circle, I want you to, to write the name of one unsaved person. Now, if, you, if you're in a family and everyone in your household knows Jesus Christ, borrow a family member from a friend at your table. Borrow a family member. Okay? So, for each person, like if you're if in your family, your little brother Johnny's not saved, write Johnny down. If Aunt Edna's not saved in your extended family, write Aunt Edna down. Go through all that until you get to person X, and you can't write their name because you don't know them. So I'm going to give you like a minute and a half to do that, and then we're going to keep going.
Are we not done yet? Okay. I'll give you a couple more minutes or a minute or two. All right, guys, 15 seconds. Five seconds. Okay, so, um, if, if, you, if you didn't get it done, um, I would encourage you to go home and take, but hold on to that card because we're not quite done with that card yet. But look at the names of the people on your list. Why do you think it is that we, it's easier for us to reach someone we don't know than it is for us to reach someone we do know? Um, this guy that came up with the circle thing, this nerd guy, he's nerdy, but he had a really good, he had a really good observation. This is what he wrote. He wrote, many of us have come to study evangelism to go from circle one to circle seven in order to salve our consciences because there are ruptured relationships in circles two through six that we'd rather skip over. Why do we want to reach person X more than we want to reach people in our family? I made an observation here. Because we don't have to live a consistent Christ-centered life in front of person X. All we have to do is put on a good show for an hour. Those in circle two, however, that live in our house, there's no faking in front of them. Of course, we should reach person X, but we can't share the gospel. if we can't share the gospel with people in circles two through six, we're being pretty hypocritical. But why is it that it's so hard? I've got a couple, <laughs> a couple things that I think um, may have to do with that. Um, the first is some of us, we have been an inconsistent witness. You know what I mean by inconsistent witness? I mean our actions don't match our words. Why would anyone at our school want to believe that Jesus can change their life if our life is no different than theirs? You know some of the hardest people to reach are the friends that you have done things you're not supposed to do with. I, don't, I can understand why you want to skip over circle number four. Because there are some things that your friends know about you that you'd rather them not know. I can understand why you want to skip over circles number two and three because your, your parents or your brothers or sisters or your grandparents or your cousins have seen you do things and have seen you act in some mean ways or some wrong ways maybe. And they don't want what you got. 
So I think so one reason that we don't, <laughs> we don't reach people that are close to us is because our witness has been inconsistent. Another one is because this is all on us, because we're holding grudges. If you can't forgive your dad, you can't share the love of Christ with him. Because what's the love of Christ? Jesus forgave our sins. We can't preach the forgiveness of sins if we're not willing to forgive the sins of others. So how many people in these circles, how many members of your family, how many friends or ex-friends are there in your life that you can't witness to because you're holding a grudge against them for something they did? It's been said that holding a grudge is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And that's essentially what it is. Because the person that you're holding a grudge against probably doesn't know that you're holding a grudge against them. And all that grudge is doing when you're holding it against them is eating away at you. And it's also hampering your ability to witness to them. Hey, if I'm holding a grudge against you, the last thing I want to do is tell you about a God that can forgive you because I don't want you to be forgiven. The flip side of that, there are some people that we have hurt. Yeah, when we hold a grudge, it's because someone hurt us. But there are some people that we are... We can't witness to because we've hurt them. The words that we've said, the things that we've done, the betrayal that we've acted out towards them. You turn your back on me, now you want to tell me about Jesus? Mm, I don't think I want to buy what you're selling, I'm sorry. So we've hurt people and and sometimes we know that that person would probably never be receptive to us. So we step over them. But what does God call us to do? We confess our sins not only to him, but we make things right with others. I think another reason is because some of us have made ourselves totally unapproachable. You want to see some of your all's uh, youth group stance? Sometimes, Sometimes here's our youth group stance find an extra seat, so I'm going to sit next to Wyatt on his seat. And somebody's walking in like this, and I'm sitting like this, and I don't even notice they come in the room, and they find me to be unapproachable. Some of us, and I'm a quiet guy, so I struggle with, I always want people to feel like they can approach me, and I'm a quiet guy, and I'm just one of those like, hey, how y'all doing? Nice to see you. I want to talk to everybody. That's not me. (laughs) <laughs> you'll probably be thankful that your youth pastor doesn't act like that. But I'm a quiet guy, so like I find sometimes conversation to be awkward. But I always try to go out of my way. Your youth pastor tries to go out of his way to talk to people, even when it's hard for me. We should always be approachable. But sometimes, hey, we've shut people out. We haven't talked to people for four weeks in youth group, and now we want to tell them about Jesus? They're like, where were you three weeks ago when it was my first week here? So, I don't know where, there's my red marker. So some of us, the reason we can't reach these people is because we're unapproachable. Because we're unapproachable. And there's another one. It's very similar to being unapproachable, and it's disengaged. We've spent so much time, better way to say this, we spent so much time not caring about people, that we're afraid that if we start caring about people, they'll think we're being hypocrites. 
and they'll laugh at us. Can I tell you that if you claim the name of Jesus and you're not caring about others, they're already laughing at you. Maybe not outwardly, but inwardly. They're already thinking that you're a hypocrite. So what I would suggest us to do is to make it right. I want to leave you with one verse. And uh, I think this is the last one. I'm going to skip over to... By the way, this picture is so awkward. Look at their faces. <laughs> Look at their faces. Like that, Neither of them want to be shaking the other one's hand. Right? You can say a lot of things. They're shaking hands. But there's, there is so, such a barrier right here that you don't see. And there is such a wall. And there's so much hatred. And there's so much animosity. You can shake hands but still not make it right. What does this verse say? What did Jesus say to us? He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come offer your gift. You know, the gift of evangelism is something that we give to God. It's an obedience that we give to God to, to, to please him. I would submit to you that we could apply this verse to our evangelism by saying, before you go downtown and offer your gift of service to person X, you make it right with your family. You make it right with those X friends that you step over every week at school. And then go give God that gift. Sometimes I wonder what our lives would be like if we took those relationships that are close to us that we've written off and we made them right. There's some people that you are living with right now that you need to apologize with. There are some people in your extended family that are so unapproachable that everybody else in their family has written them off. They say, I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to invite them to our family reunion or our birthday party. You be the one to reach them. You know who's incredible at reaching her, their extended family? It's April. She can get people, she, she can, She's re she reaches people in her extended family that no one else can reach. Uh, she got her uncle to come to church one day, and everybody thought she couldn't, and she got it. She made him beans and cornbread, and beans and cornbread, and beans and cornbread, and texted him. I mean, he's a Harley guy. He's a wear boots kind of guy. He's got one of those signs on, at his house that says, you know, you know, this house is protected by the Second Amendment. I'm going to pop you. Not exactly like that, but like, like, like he's not a guy you just say, hey, y'all want to come to church. You know what? He was here on family day. She got him here. Someone who a lot of people considered to be very unapproachable. But it wasn't, it took time. It took a lot of time of doing the right thing. And for some of us, God's calling us to dig in to these relationships, to reach our household as we reach the word, world. It's not that you have to... Make sure everything is perfect before you go out and reaching, but you better try your hardest to make sure there's nothing between you and those close to you, that you're living a consistent life in front of those close to you before you go anywhere else to reach people. So Monday's when it starts. This afternoon is when it starts. So here's the final thing I want you to do. For each of those people in your circle, then we're going to get out of here. I want you to write down one practical way that you can connect them with the love of Jesus. I didn't even sh say share the gospel at this point. What I'm talking about is how to better the relationship, how to either fix it or better it between you and them so that you have an opportunity to share the gospel. So I want you to come up with one way this week 
this week for each of those people on your list. I'll give you another 15 seconds. All right, guys, that is it. We are done. I want you to take that index card that you got, if you would. I don't want you to just do it out of doing it. Please put it in your Bible. Please pray over it. Commit to praying every day over those names. I promise you, I've got a list in my journal of people that I pray for. I know some, some others of you do. I, and I've been doing it for about two and a half years now. There, there have been people saved on that list. It's incredible to watch. What if every person in here, there are probably 60, 65 of us in here, what if every person on that li- in, in this room made a list and so, you know, saw what I got to see? Two people on your list got saved. It would be 125 or so people that got saved because of the witness of our youth group. That would be incredible. So what I want to do, we're going to get out of here, but before we get out of here, I want us to pray together, and here's how I want to do it. I, if you're going to come here, just don't, be, don't worry about being uncomfortable. We, just, we, just, we like to touch <laughs> in a non-creepy way. <laughs> That's going to be the quote from today, right? <laughs> we like to touch. Um, but what I'd like you to do is grab the hands of the people at your table. If you are on a row, if you're in the row, squeeze together like an accordion. You guys come over here. You guys slide down here and all kind of lock arms or hold on to each other, Okay. So Jake and Grant, you guys slide on down, slide on down, get together, get together. Girls don't have cooties. Get together. All right, so reach out, grab your people, and here's what I want you to do. Take a quick look. Take a quick look at the person across from you. Look them in the eye. Take a quick look to the person to your right. Look them in the eye. Quick look at the person to your left. Look them in the eye. Those are the people I want you to be praying for in your heart while I pray out loud, okay?
Here we go. Let's pray. Um, Father, I pray for each person here. Each person could be an evangelist. Each person could be a messenger of you. Father, you tell us that you are making your final appeal to the world through us with the message of the gospel. And Father, I pray that with our words, we will clearly communicate the gospel. In those relationships in our life that have been broken or have been fractured, that we'll start making amends and we'll start repairing those relationships so that we can see people in our family saved and we can see our friends saved and we can see people in our schools saved and that you'll do so much through our little youth group on the hill. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.